Kane Review, Print Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast, recorded at Bishop Briggs Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at Q in Review, that is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at cunereview.com. That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M. Or by calling 0141 772 That's 0141 772 The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 16th of February 2023. COVID-related deaths increase to 35 in latest weekly figures. An article by Lauren Gilmore and read by me, Corey. 35 COVID-related deaths were recorded in Scotland in the last week, an increase of five from the previous seven days. National Records of Scotland, NRS, data also shows that 16,780 deaths have now been registered where COVID is mentioned on the death certificate. Of the deaths involving COVID in the latest week, the seven days to February 12th, 17 were female and 18 were male. 25 were aged 75 or older, 5 were aged between 65 and 74, and 5 were under 65s. Meanwhile, the number of flu-related deaths has fallen for the last four weeks consecutively, with 15 deaths recorded in the last week. The standardised death rate for deaths involving COVID-19 in January was 59 per 100,000, which is a slight change from 60 per 100,000 in December. NRS statistician Julie Ramsey said, The latest figures show that last week there were 35 deaths where COVID-19 was mentioned on the death certificate. This is five more than in the previous week. After a sharp rise in week two of 2023, deaths involving influenza have fallen for four consecutive weeks. There were 15 deaths where flu was mentioned in week six, which is five fewer than in the previous week week. That article is from the Glasgow Times. It was written by Lauren Gilmore and it was read by me, Corey. Easton Bartonshire Visually Impaired People's Forum. EdVip. If you know someone who is blind or visually impaired, a warm welcome awaits them at the Park Centre in Keir Street, Kirkintilloch. They meet every day on Wednesday at 10am until 11.30am. They chat over tea, cake and coffee. And support each other to achieve their maximum independence. There are regular speakers, craft groups and events. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 16th of February 2023. Glasgow Sheriff Court. Man who refused to give a cigarette attacked. An article by Connor Gordon and read by me, Corey. A thug who attacked a man after he'd refused to give him a cigarette has been jailed for 212 days. Lee McLeod, 31, lashed out at Andrew Clark in Thorleyburn on July 7th, 2022. 
McLeod took Mr Clark to the ground and pinned him down with his foot before trying to steal his bag. Co-accused Laura Graham, 33, had also made efforts to take the rucksack. McLeod pleaded guilty at Glasgow Sheriff Court to assault and attempted robbery. Pregnant Graham admitted attempting to rob Mr Clark. The court heard that the pair approached Mr Clark, who was standing at a bus stop. Prosecutor Katie Bell said, McLeod asked him for a cigarette and alcohol, but he refused to give him anything. Both men faced up to each other, and McLeod grabbed Mr Clark by his jacket and rucksack and then struggled with him. This caused Mr Clark to fall to the ground. An employee at the nearby bakery shouted for McLeod to stop, but the attacker claimed that Mr Clark had a knife. The employee stated that she did not see Mr Clark with a blade. Graham, meantime, repeatedly grabbed Mr Clark's rucksack, but he held on to it. The victim then put the bag in between his legs. Miss Bell. McLeod returned to the victim and put his foot on him, then attempted to grab the bag. McLeod and Graham then fled the scene before police arrived. McLeod was traced and asked why the lassie was not getting done with anything. He then gave Graham's name and address to officers before she was then traced. Isla Sinclair, defending McLeod, told the court that he has little recollection of the incident. She added, he is utterly disgusted with himself. Sentence was deferred until next month for Graham by Sheriff David Taylor. That article was from the Glasgow Times, it was written by Connor Gordon, and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times, on Thursday the 16th of February 2023. Business Briefing. Ryanair creating 200 jobs after new Glasgow routes announced. An article by Brian Donnelly, and read by me, Corey. Ryanair is to create 200 new jobs at its Scottish maintenance facility to support expansion plans that include new routes and more flights to European sunshine destinations. The Dublin-based budget airline announced its summer 2023 schedule for Glasgow, operating routes from Glasgow and Presswick airports, including two new routes from Presswick to Marcellus and Pisa, starting in April and increasing frequencies on its ever-popular Glasgow to Dublin route. The carrier plans further expansion in Glasgow and Edinburgh, with jobs out with maintenance also expected to be created as the company pushes its growth plans. Ryanair said it will operate 150 weekly flights to and from Glasgow this summer, which is a 6% growth on last year, connecting top European destinations like France, Italy, Portugal and Spain, among others. It said this is underpinned by its two new aircraft, representing a $200 million investment, and that its increased connectivity and traffic growth will deliver much-needed inbound tourism, while offering Glasgow citizens and visitors the widest choice and lowest fares when booking their summer 2023 getaways. Ryanair said it supports over 1,400 jobs in Glasgow, including 550 direct pilot, cabin crew and engineering jobs. In addition to the more than 500 highly skilled professionals already employed at Ryanair's state-of-the-art maintenance facility at Presswick, 
is now seeking to fill another 200 roles to support the maintenance of Ryanair's fleet as it grows to 600 aircraft by 2026, the firm said. Jade Carwan of Ryanair said, Ryanair is pleased to announce our summer 2023 schedule for Glasgow, with over 150 weekly flights with over 150 weekly flights across 18 sunny hotspot destinations, including two new routes from Presswick to Marsalis and Pisa, offering Glasgow citizens and visitors even more choice for their summer holidays at the lowest fares in Europe. And for those looking to get away and soak up some sun with the family this summer, you can now spread out the cost of your holiday by paying half the fare now and the other half up to 40 days pre-departure when you book Ryanair's Family Plus Bundle, making family holidays more accessible for everyone. To facilitate Ryanair's growth in Glasgow and across our wider network of more than 235 locations, we are hiring another 200 highly skilled professionals for our state-of-the-art maintenance facility at Presswick to support the maintenance of Ryanair's fleet as it grows to 600 aircraft by 2026. We are looking forward to welcoming thousands of customers and visitors on board our flight to and from Glasgow this summer as Ryanair continues to deliver more traffic connectivity and lower fares than any other airline for the UK. That article was from the Glasgow Times, it was written by Brian Donnelly and it was read by me, Corey. Evening Times, February 16. Opinion. Nicola Sturgeon says, Scots are rallying behind efforts to help earthquake victims. A week ago, we woke to the news of the devastating and shocking earthquake in Turkey and Syria. More than 20,000 people are now known to have lost their lives, and there has been severe damage to homes and infrastructure in both countries. Charities and frontline organisations estimate that there could be around 17 million people impacted, many of them left without shelter in harsh winter conditions. And there's no doubt that the devastation caused by the earthquake will be felt for some considerable time to come. The Scottish Government have committed £500,000 in emergency funding for the Disasters Emergency Committee, DEC, to support the humanitarian and efforts following the earthquake. That funding will support those affected with medical care, shelter, food and clean water. Members of our emergency services have also been deployed to help the search and rescue operations and efforts on the ground. Members of the public can pledge support and make donations to the DEC appeal in a variety of ways and I would encourage everyone to consider donating to the DEC if they can afford to do so. I know how tough times are for families across Scotland right now but the people of Turkey and Syria desperately need our support. Closer to home, many people, households and businesses are continuing to suffer real hardship due to the spiraling costs of basic essentials and the rising cost of living. 
a new report from the National Institute of Economic and Social Research warns that households in Glasgow and across the United Kingdom could face a £4,000 financial hit from the cost of living crisis this year. The Office for Budget Responsibility estimates that the UK faces a recession that will last for more than a year and the International Monetary Fund suggested last week that Britain will be the only G7 country whose economy is forecast to shrink in 2023. And it is predicted that a quarter of households, around 7 million across the UK, could be unable to fully meet their planned energy and food bills in the next financial year. With Westminster causing political and economic chaos due to constant U-turns on tax policy, ill-judged tax cuts, four UK chancellors in the space of four months and Liz Truss's disastrous mini-budget, the Scottish Government remains clear what our priorities are. We are choosing to invest in our economy and in the people of Scotland. Financial experts also agree with a new report from think tank the Institute for Fiscal Studies, the IFS, concluding that Scotland's tax and benefits system is more progressive than the rest of the UK. The IFS reports that policies introduced in Scotland since 2017, such as changes to the benefits system and the £25 Scottish child payment, have particularly increased the incomes of poorer families with children. While it is great to see these fairer policies implemented by the SNP recognised as making a real difference to the lives of ordinary Scots, the UK government's financial plans look increasingly bleak and there is no doubt that they are causing and will continue to cause significant challenges for us here in Scotland. We have consistently called on the UK government to provide additional support with energy costs for vulnerable households. Prior to the introduction of the energy price guarantee last October, we called for the energy price cap to be frozen and now we need the UK government to cancel its proposed rise along with the reduction in support for domestic consumers. The Scottish Government continue to take the action that we can to support households, including measures such as the doubling of the Fuel Insecurity Fund to £20 million to help households at risk of self-disconnection or self-rationing their energy use. However, the key levers to really make a difference when it comes to supporting people through this crisis lies with the UK government and we will of course continue to press Rishi Sunak to use these levers in the interests of households and businesses across the country, says Nicola Sturgeon. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 17th of February 2023, from the news section, man arrested after trying to abduct taxi driver in Paisley by Jacob Nicholl. 
A man has been arrested after allegedly trying to abduct a taxi driver in Paisley. It is claimed the 56-year-old passenger began acting aggressively towards the victim as the cab was travelling along Glasgow Road in Paisley at around 10pm on Thursday. Police also claim the suspect produced a knife. The victim, who managed to stop and get out of the vehicle, was then allegedly followed by the man on foot. Police said the taxi driver soon returned to his vehicle and drove off. The suspect was later chased by officers and taken into custody. He has been charged with attempted abduction, breach of the peace and possession of a knife, reports her sister title The Gazette. The suspect is due to appear at Paisley Sheriff Court today. And that article was by Jacob Nicholl. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 17th of February 2023, from the news section, Second school to be built in Darngavel village after numbers blunder. By Jacob Nicholl. Renfrewshire Council has confirmed that a second school will need to be built to cater for Dargaville Village. The announcement has been made following new analysis suggesting that space could be required for as many as 1,500 pupils in the future. It had previously been estimated the current role of 463 at Darngaville Primary in Arachar Drive could rise to as much as 620 by August and further to 705 the year after that. The school has a preferred maximum of 548, while previous sums predicted the register would not exceed 430. In an update to parents today, Stephen Quinn, Director of Children's Services at Renfrewshire Council, said members of the Education and Children's Services Policy Board will be asked to give approval to progress work on a new school at our next meeting on March the 9th. He added, The new school will require capacity for around 700 pupils, as part of our long-term planning, we will develop further options to give us the flexibility to increase primary school capacity in the wider area, should it look likely to be needed. We are already in discussions with the landowner BAE Systems over securing land within the Dargaville development for a new school, and will continue that as a priority. We estimate the project to design and build a new school will take around 36 to 42 months from start to finish. We will provide a firmer timeline for this once the site of the new school is agreed. Council Chiefs have apologised for the blunder, with six modular classrooms to be introduced at the site over the summer break. The error sparked outrage among opposition councillors and the parent council. Renfrewshire Council leader Ian Nicholson said, We understand the concern expressed by parents in the Dargaville area over school capacity. I can assure them our full focus is on getting the right solution for local pupils which is why officers are now able to progress plans for a new school in the area. A significant error was made when planning the current school, and the circumstances behind this are now being subject to an external review. Throughout the process, engagement with the School Parent Council and wider parent community will be crucial, and we will ensure the reviews are sought as we develop further options. And that report was by Jacob Nicholl. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 17th of February 2023, from the news section, SNP councillor probed over accusing rivals of wanting to kill people. Report by Jack Thompson. An SNP councillor in Renfrewshire is being investigated by an ethics watchdog after accusing political rivals of wanting to kill people during a debate on independence. Will Milet made the comments at a full council meeting in June 
claiming Labour and Conservative governments were more than happy to put money into nuclear weapons and have the ability to commit genocide. He added, You want to kill people, you don't want to feed people. That's the difference and that's what I want to change. I want Scotland to be away from nuclear weapons and your party support Trident on the Clyde. They will never remove it, it will never appear in your manifesto. Again, we've got the crocodile tears every single time. In a statement directed at a Conservative member, he then said austerity amounted to no more than the murder of the people that you're here to look after. Councillor Milet's language sparked a complaint to the Ethical Standards Commissioner for Councillor Alec Leishman, which has since been accepted for investigation. He considered the rant to include bullying and offensive language, which he found distressing and upsetting and incompatible with the councillor's code of conduct. Councillor Milet, who represents Paisley East and Central, was asked by the commissioner to provide an explanation for the comments he made during the meeting on June the 30th. The watchdog will consider the evidence and decide whether this indicates if there has been a contravention of the code. If the complaint is upheld, Councillor Milet will have the opportunity to consider the conclusion and provide comments before the outcome of the investigation is reported to the Standards Commission for Scotland. It could then decide to ask the Ethical Standards Commission to investigate further, hold a public hearing or take no action. A spokesperson for the watchdog has confirmed that it is considering a case regarding Councillor Milet. Councillor Leishman has said he won't comment on the complaint while it is under investigation by the Commissioner. Meanwhile, Councillor Milet denies any wrongdoing. I'm pretty certain I'm covered by my human rights under free speech, he said. I did address some opinions. The rest of it was factual. If the Conservatives can't handle the facts, they need to reconsider what party they want to be in. And that report was by local democracy reporter Jack Thompson. Evening Times, February 17. Dumbarton Castle to reopen tomorrow. Report by Esther Tarney. A famous castle in western Bartonshire is due to reopen tomorrow. Visitors will once again be able to enjoy the iconic landmark which once sheltered Mary Queen of Scots before she fled to France. Craig Merdens, Director of Operations at Historic Environment Scotland, HES, who looks after the site said, I am very pleased to announce that Dumbarton Castle is reopening this weekend ahead of schedule. Our staff have been working very hard to get the castle ready and we very much look forward to once again welcoming visitors through the gates of this iconic fortress. Access was restricted at the start of last year as a safety precaution while HES dealt with potentially unstable high-level masonry. A few closures are still in place, including at the spur battery and ground level restrictions around the base of the rock. Glasgow Times on Monday the 20th of February. Lifestyle. Glasgow Church, designed by Charles Rennie Mackintosh, reopens. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. A Glasgow church, which is the only one designed by Charles Rennie Mackintosh, will reopen for its new season. 
Queen's Cross Church was opened in the city's Mary Hill district in 1899, and Mackintosh, who was then a young budding apprentice, was entrusted as its architect. While he designed an Anglican cathedral in Liverpool, it was never completed, which makes the North Glasgow Church a unique landmark. Known as the Mackintosh Church, the venue is being opened with the assistance of the Charles Rennie Mackintosh Society for the 2023 season on Monday. That's today. Visitors will be able to see the magnificent stained glass windows, including the iconic Blue Heart window. Other highlights include decorative carvings of birds, insects and plant forms, and a communion table, also designed by Mackintosh. Guests can unwind with a coffee in the hall while watching one of the Mackintosh films, and check out the range of books in the library and resource centre and gifts for sale. Tours are available while staff are on hand to answer any questions. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Glasgow Times, on Monday the 20th of February. Lifestyle. Fears for Glasgow music venues after Flat's plan given the go-ahead. An article written by Craig Williams. Fears for the future of two world-renowned Glasgow music venues were growing over the weekend after controversial plans for a mixed-use development with flats were given the go-ahead. Proposals for a landscaped and carbon-friendly development at the heart of Glasgow's Merchant City were approved by the City Council's Planning Applications Committee following a public hearing. The plans for the Ingram Street site, which is currently being used as a temporary car park, include 109 sustainable apartments and ground-floor commercial space, housed in buildings varying in height from four to seven storeys. Merchant City and Trongate Community Council wanted the land to be turned into a park, and over 140 objectors opposed the plans, raising concerns over the loss of 21 trees and the impact on the neighbouring city halls and old fruit market music venues. The Residents' Forum said the hearing was the most important event for residents in the past 20 years, and the culmination of a four-year fight for the area's first green space. The hearing heard from a sound expert who objected to the plans and said that no amount of noise mitigation could prevent noise seepage from such close proximity. Lindsay McIntyre, a director at KSG Acoustics, was employed on behalf of Glasgow Life, which runs both the city halls and the old fruit market. She said she'd been deeply concerned since the inception of these proposals about the adverse effects on the old fruit market and the city halls as a result of placing new, noise-sensitive dwellings within such close proximity. The city's deputy Lord Provost, Bailey Christie Mairns, took to Twitter to express how bitterly disappointed she was at the committee's decision to greenlight the development, adding that it directly threatens the future of world-renowned music venues, the Old Fruit Market and the City Halls. Councillor Mairns also tweeted that the sound expert was flabbergasted, as feels there is no way the City Halls and the Old Fruit Market won't be threatened with closure. The City Halls is Glasgow's oldest purpose-built performance and meeting space and has been entertaining visitors since 1841. The adjoining Old Fruit Market, which was a functioning market until the 1970s, has been reborn as a music venue. A spokesperson for Glasgow Life said, Glasgow Life fed into the planning process of this development as operators of the City Halls and the Old Fruit Market. 
We note the decision and look forward to working with developers as the project progresses. The vote by Glasgow City Council's Planning Applications Committee was tied at 3-3, to but carried on the casting vote by its chairman, Councillor Ken Andrew, an SNP representative for Hillhead. An article written by Craig Williams. Glasgow Times, on Monday the 20th of February. Opinion. Sturgeon quitting made me furious, not delighted. The Tory View, a column written by Thomas Kerr. Last week, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon announced her resignation from office. As many readers will be aware, the timing surprised most people, but we knew this day was coming. After all the scandal, mismanagement and spin, the reality is that Scotland was getting fed up with our out-of-touch First Minister. However, I will say this about her. I admire her strength and determination in fighting for what she believed in. There can be no doubting that the now outgoing First Minister has put in an incredible shift through some extremely challenging times, not least during the Covid pandemic, and for that we should be grateful. But, for me, the praise ends there. Nicola Sturgeon's tenure in Butte House has to be recognised as one of the most divisive times for our great nation. She and her party have thrived for eight years on causing schisms in Scotland, creating a toxic environment of nationalism where shouting down and bullying opponents is seen as part of the job. Indeed, I've no doubt my point will be perfectly illustrated on the comment section of this article online or in the mentions on my social media. Sadly, whoever comes next, I don't see this changing until we have a change of government in Scotland, one which focuses on the people's priorities, not the SNP's independence obsession. It would also be wrong of me not to touch on the other big local news of last week, the city's budget. As we expected, the nationalist budget was the worst on record, with savage cuts to vital services, additional charges on much-loved venues and council tax rising by a whopping 5% during a cost-of-living crisis. I'll have much more to say on this horrendous budget in the next few days, but the Glasgow Conservatives are clear that the SNP's culture of pay more, get less has to end. That's why, after our speeches, Councillor John Daly and I walked out of the chamber and joined workers outside in protest. I should also say we did this in unity with Labour and Green colleagues. Unfortunately, during a budget meeting, councillors are not allowed to vote against or abstain, so this was the best we could do to show Glaswegians that we are on their side and that enough is enough when it comes to these savage cuts imposed on us by the SNP government. These cuts are why Nicola Sturgeon's resignation did not fill me with delight, as many might expect, but anger. I'm furious, and many Glaswegians will be too, that the architect of these savage cuts has decided to leave it to whoever her successor is to clear up this mess. The day before, councils up and down the country had to make unpalatable decisions due to her government's brutal cuts to our budgets. The First Minister announced her resignation a Glasgow MSP who will see in her own constituency what years of underfunding our council has done to our communities. What added insult to injury was that during her very long, self-indulgent press conference, it took until she was prompted by a journalist to even mention her own constituency of Glasgow South Side. 
That, to me, sums up all we need to know about the outgoing First Minister's attitude towards local services and our communities. Nicola Sturgeon has attempted to rewrite history since last week, but for many Glaswegians, it's too little, too late. That's why we aren't buying it, First Minister. After nearly a decade of failure, this resignation was the right move. On drug deaths, our NHS, education, the economy, policing and many, many more issues, the record of this SNP government is of abject failure. A litany of broken promises and political spin is this First Minister's record. Sadly, I fear that whoever comes next will continue that legacy all the way to the ballot box, where we'll be waiting to cast the ultimate verdict. A column written by Thomas Kerr. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 20th of February. SNP contest for leadership is heating up. An article written by Tom Torrance. Glasgow Pollock MSP Hamza Youssef has received a number of endorsements in his bid to replace Nicola Sturgeon as SNP leader and First Minister after declaring that he would stand for the top job yesterday. Former Minister Ash Reagan, who resigned from the government over concerns around the Gender Recognition Reform Bill, also joined the race. Mr Youssef said he had been through a roller coaster of emotions since Ms Sturgeon announced her resignation. Tweeting his intention to stand, he said, I want to start by paying tribute to Nicola Sturgeon. She's been an incredible party leader and an exceptional First Minister. Thank you, Nicola, for all that you've done for Scotland. I've thought hard about it and I've decided to put myself forward as Scotland's next First Minister. I'm doing it because the top job requires somebody who has experience and I've been trusted by Nicola Sturgeon with some of the toughest jobs in government, as Transport Minister, as Justice Secretary and now entrusted to steer our NHS through its recovery from the global pandemic. But I'm also doing it because I believe in independence with every fibre of my being. I believe independence is needed now more than ever before, particularly after a decade of austerity. Now our opponents are desperate to talk about process. I want us to talk about policy. I want us to build and grow our movement from the grassroots upwards. I'm also putting myself forward because, let's be honest, there's far too much division in our society. There's far too much division in our political discourse. And I believe I have the skills to reach across the divide and bring people together, be that in our own party or indeed across the country. SNP Deputy Leader Keith Brown revealed he would not bid to replace Ms Sturgeon and would not endorse a candidate for the leadership, but other senior party figures have publicly backed the two candidates who declared in the past 24 hours. Ukraine Minister Neil Gray ruled himself out of the running and threw his weight behind Mr Youssef, who also won support from former Minister Graham Day and MP Anne McLaughlin. Mr Gray tweeted, I've seriously considered, with family and colleagues, whether I'm the right person to do that job. I've concluded that with my children the age they are, and given I'm relatively new to government, now is not the right time for me. He went on to say that Mr Youssef has the skills and experience for the job. Public Health Minister Marie Todd celebrated Mr Youssef's announcement, urging him to go for it, but did not offer outright support for the Health Secretary's candidacy. Meanwhile, former Community Safety Minister Ash Reagan secured the support of MP Joanna Cherry. Both politicians have been critical of the current SNP leadership. 
Ms Cherry, the MP for Edinburgh South West, tweeted, I'm proud to support Ash, given her solid left-wing credentials working with Commonweal and the courage and leadership she's shown in standing up for the rights of women and girls. Ms Reagan outlined part of the platform she would stand on in the hopes of securing the keys to Butte House. In a statement tweeted yesterday morning, she said she believes any majority of votes for independent supporting parties in a Holyrood or UK election should be counted as a vote for independence and be enough to start negotiations for Scotland's exit from the Union. An article written by Tom Torrance. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 20th of February. Ambulance strikes continue as junior doctor ballot to be announced. An article written by Lois McKenzie. Thousands of ambulance workers are staging a fresh strike today as the long-running dispute over pay and staffing continues. A ballot of junior doctors in support of industrial action will also be announced today. The GMB union said that more than 11,000 of its ambulance workers will walk out in England and Wales, including paramedics, emergency care assistants and call handlers, with ambulance workers in the Unite union in parts of the country also on strike. Junior doctors in the Hospital Consultants and Specialists Association in England have said that they will strike for the first time in the union's history on March the 15th in a dispute over pay. Around 45,000 junior doctors who are members of the British Medical Association, or BMA, in England have also been balloted on strike action, with the result to be announced later today. The BMA has already warned it will stage a three-day strike if there is a yes vote. Meanwhile, civil servants working for the Animal and Plant Health Agency are beginning their second week of strike action. Members of the Public and Commercial Services Union, based in Bristol and Carlisle, are taking action as part of a long-running dispute over pay, jobs, pensions and conditions in the civil service. The union said strikes at the Animal and Plant Health Agency are believed to have already caused delays for imports and exports, including caviar. A Public and Commercial Services Union spokesperson said... Ministers should be ashamed that while some members of society are bemoaning a lack of caviar on their dinner plates, 40,000 of their own workers are using food banks. Our members should not be forced to choose between heating and eating. They should be paid a fair wage for the important work they do. Rachel Harrison, GMB National Secretary, accused the government of being tin-eared, adding, it's been over a month since the government engaged in any meaningful dialogue. They're missing in action and refuse to talk pay. The BMA's most senior doctor accused the Prime Minister of being thoughtless and bellicose in his refusal to find a workable agreement with NHS staff over pay and conditions. Speaking at a Young Doctors' Conference in Bristol, Professor Philip Banfield, the BMA's Chairman of Council, said Rishi Sunak and the Health Secretary, Steve Barclay, are standing on the precipice of a historic mistake. He said that refusing to enter meaningful negotiations with trade unions means the government is guaranteeing escalation, while thinking they can stay silent and wait it out is reckless. Professor Banfield said junior doctors deserve better and are not expensive for the expertise and skills they provide. 
He accused the government of letting patients down, adding, all NHS staff are standing up for our patients in a system that seems to have forgotten that valuing staff and their well-being is directly linked to patient safety and better outcomes of care. Meanwhile, striking nurses will be paid 60% more by the Royal College of Nursing, or RCN, than during previous walkouts, it's been revealed. The RCN also disclosed that it's received £250,000 in donations from the public since starting its strike action for more pay in December. The union is increasing the day rate for those on the picket line from £50 to £80. Nurses who have already gone on strike for four days will get £120 a day as the RCN dips into a £50 million fighting fund before an unprecedented full 48-hour walkout on March 1st. The daily take-home pay of a nurse on an average salary of £36,000 is about £135, assuming a four-day working week. A typical nurse who took part in all six strike days, plus the two in March, could in theory claim £540 in strike pay, but will have lost £1,080. The RCN said the move is aimed at shoring up nurses' resolve and undermining the government's strategy to wait out the strikes rather than negotiate. Public support for striking nurses remains the highest of any striking workforce, said the RCN. The union said the decision to include emergency services, cancer care and other previously exempt services has rocked NHS managers, who are calling on the government to settle the dispute or risk waiting times rising significantly as tens of thousands of operations are cancelled. Hospital trusts have been told to submit a risk assessment of next month's strike to NHS England by midday on Monday. A Department of Health and Social Care spokesperson said... We hugely value the work of junior doctors and we have been clear that supporting and retaining the NHS workforce is one of our main priorities. As part of a multi-year deal we agreed with BMA, junior doctors' pay has increased by a cumulative 8.2% since 2019 and 2020. We also introduced a higher pay band for the most experienced staff and increased rates for night shifts. The Health and Social Care Secretary has met with the BMA and other medical unions to discuss pay, conditions and workload. He's been clear he wants to continue discussing how we can make the NHS a better place to work for all. An article written by Lois McKenzie. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 20th of February. Waverley Steamer will sail this summer despite fuel costs. An article written by Alastair Dalton. The historic Waverley paddle steamer is costing £13.50 per minute in fuel, although bosses are confident it will sail this summer after 60% of the £180,000 appeal target was raised within a month. The emergency funding is needed to pay for the annual maintenance of the world's last seagoing vessel of its type, after soaring fuel costs caused a shortfall. Fuel accounts for half of the Glasgow-based Waverley's operating costs and left insufficient reserves for the ship's yearly winter inspection. Waverley excursions, which raised more than £130,000 since launching the appeal on January the 19th, said it was optimistic it could send the 76-year-old vessel to dry dock for its annual maintenance, the ship's biggest expense, as scheduled next month. 
The ship, which carried more than 100,000 passengers last year, is due to resume sailings down the Clyde from its base beside the Glasgow Science Centre in May, before tours to Oban and the Inner Hebrides, the Bristol Channel, the South Coast and London. General Manager Paul Semple revealed last year that a £4 fuel surcharge announced in May had been insufficient to offset fuel prices rocketing from 55 pence to around £1 a litre, meaning the Waverley was costing £13.50 a minute to run in fuel. A spokesperson for Waverley Excursion said, The appeal has been doing well, with our running total now over £130,000, with more than 1,500 individuals having donated. We remain optimistic that further donations will come in and will hopefully reach the target of £180,000. Tinebruich Peer Association made a generous £5,000 donation to our appeal at their annual general meeting two weeks ago. There is no fixed deadline for the appeal target, however the ship is due into dry dock at the end of March. Working on the principle that the appeal has been successful so far, we're optimistic that we'll be able to raise the funds to send the Waverley to dry dock and meet our start-up costs for the 2023 season. The total raised so far shows the Waverley's fiercely loyal supporters have again rallied to contribute after they helped achieve a series of previous fundraising targets for similar work and a £2.3 million appeal for a new boiler in 2019. Launching the latest appeal, Mr Semple said, Due to the increasing operating costs last season, we don't have enough money to afford this year's dry dock and the numerous other costs we incur in the weeks before Waverley starts sailing. Last year, our fuel costs increased by over 60%, or in real terms, by over £300,000. This is a cost which the owning charity hasn't been able to withstand. We urgently need to raise funds or we simply can't afford the start-up costs for this coming summer season. Operating a historic steamship like the Waverley is inherently expensive. We're now spending over £600,000 a year just to maintain her in operating condition. An article written by Alastair Dalton. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 21st of February 2023, from the news section... Buses in Glasgow could be forced off the road due to strike action by Lauren Brownlee. Upcoming strike action could be forced buses off the road in Glasgow, a union has revealed. United's confirmed that Bidvest Noonan workers contracted to clean and refuel buses for the first bus are set to strike in a dispute over pay. More than 100 cleaners, fuelers and shunters contracted to work in First Glasgow and First Aberdeen bus depots will be striking after previously rejecting a 2% pay offer back to 2022. It is claimed that wages at the company start at £9.62 per hour. From April, £10.42 per hour will be the national minimum wage. Meanwhile, United revealed that Bidvest Newman made a profit of £9.5 million for the year ending in June 2022, up from £5.6 million in the year ending June 2021. According to the union, with cleaning refueling and recharging of the electric buses not carried out on the days of industrial action, buses may have to be taken off the roads for safety and recharging reasons. Sharon Graham, Unite General Secretary, said, Bidfest Noonan's pay offer is totally unacceptable. This company is making millions and can well afford to pay fairly. It is no excuse for not doing so. 
Quite simply, these buses couldn't operate without our members, who have unites full support as they stand up for better jobs, pay and conditions. The strike action will take place at Glasgow and Aberdeen depots from 3pm on Wednesday, March the 1st, concluding at 6am on Saturday, March the 4th. Bus depots to be impacted by strike action include Glasgow Road, Blantyre, Cathcart Road, Glasgow, South Street, Glasgow, Birch Meadow, Dumbarton, Castle Hill Road, Wishaw, and King Street, Aberdeen. The Bidfest Noonan contract workers were outsourced by First Bus in Glasgow in 2016 and then December 2022 in Aberdeen. Wendy Dunsmore, Unite Industrial Officer, said, The strike action by Unite members working for Bidfest Noonan will lead to First Bus having to take buses off the roads in Aberdeen and Glasgow. The 2% offer backdated to last year is totally unacceptable to our members. This dispute is a problem of First Bus's own making because they outsourced these workers years ago. United is demanding that they be brought back in-house and paid fairly. A spokesperson for First Bus Scotland said, We understand Bidvest Noonan workers have been balloted in relation to strike action. First Bus is assisting Bidvest Noonan to find an agreement that is mutually beneficial to all. Bidvest Noonan has been contacted for comment. And that report was by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 21st of February 2023, from the news section, exclusive, don't fear the smear, Glasgow Times launches new campaign. This article is an exclusive by Maxine MacArthur. The Glasgow Times has vowed to tackle a staggeringly low uptake of cervical screening tests across the city. Don't fear the smear is calling on women and people with cervixes to attend to routine appointments and keep on top of their health. Experts claim cervical cancer could be eliminated in the near future, making it the first form of the disease to ever be controlled if everyone attended their routine appointments, known commonly as smear tests, and received the human papillomavirus vaccine, HPV vaccine. Each day, two women in the UK die as a result of cervical cancer, which is the most common form of the disease in women under 35 in Scotland, and one in four of the most common types in the entire world. However, in Glasgow, just 65.4% of eligible people, which is those over the age of 25 in most cases, take up the offer to, det- to attend. Alarmingly, those who do attend are now facing even longer waits to receive their results and vital follow-up appointments. Initial results sh- should be received by the patient and GP around two weeks after the exam took place. NHS Scotland, however, has apologised for delays and asked those waiting not to contact their GPs to chase up the information until eight weeks have passed since the smear test. Meanwhile, those who test positive for HPV and thus require a more in-depth colposcopy have been warned wait times could be up to one year, with coronavirus backlog being blamed for the wait. A Scottish Government spokesperson said, The NHS has faced the greatest challenge in its 74-year history and it remains under extreme pressure as we recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. We must recognise the enormous impact of the pandemic has had on our health service, with the pausing of all non-emergency treatment inevitably leading to planned care delays and an increase in waiting times. We continue to work with NHS boards to maximise capacity and reduce the length of time people are waiting for appointments and treatment. The NHS Recovery Plan which is backed by more than £1 billion of additional investment, 
sets out how we will increase NHS capacity as quickly as possible. We remain committed to finding cancer as early as possible, which is why patients with suspected cancer are prioritised for diagnostics. Scotland is leading the way in fighting cervical cancer, with a new drug designed for late-stage patients being approved by the NHS just last week. However, fears have been raised that a long follow-up wait period could only increase the risks of the HPV virus mutating into the dreaded cervical cancer, but will also put people off attending their smear test. Campaigners have warned anything less than prompt service can create the mindset of the test being pointless, which leads to drops in attendance and missed opportunities for detection. NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde have the lowest uptake in smear tests in those aged 35 to 49, according to the most recent figures revealed by Public Health Scotland from 2020 to 2021. Just 49.7% of people aged 25 to 29 years old attended theirs in the same period, making it the second lowest attendance for the age bracket in Scotland and the lowest for the health board area, only beating NHS Lothian with 46.5%. Meanwhile, uptake in those aged 30 to 34 years old and to 50 to 54 years old is also among the lowest in the country, with figures revealing 60.4% and 77.5% of people attended appointments, respectively. Those aged 55 and above show slightly higher uptake rates, yet they still fail to reach a higher than 77.5% uptake rate. A spokesman for NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde NHS GGC, apologised for any delays and insisted urgent follow-up appointments were being treated as a priority. We apologise to any patient either waiting on lab results following a smear test or for a follow-up colposcopy appointment. We understand the anxiety this can cause our patients and we'd like to reassure all women that all urgent follow-up colposcopy cases continue to be prioritised with assessments completed within four to five weeks. We are working hard to increase our colposcopy capacity in response to an increase in referral rates. This includes the prioritisation of colposcopy with an existing gynecological clinic footprint, additional recruitment of locum consultants, with again focusing colposcopy and the development of a nurse-led colposcopy service. We continue to urge women to come forward for their screening appointment as this continues to be the best chance to catch and review any abnormalities at the earliest possible time and increases patient outcomes in the long term. And that report was an exclusive by Maxine MacArthur. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 21st of February 2023, from the news section, Fire breaks out on a busy street in Campus Lang. Report by Rebecca Newlands. A blaze broke out near a shop on a busy road which sparked a 999 response. Plumes of smoke could be seen at Main Street in Campus Lang on Tuesday morning while firefighters and appliances worked to extinguish the fire. A witness alerted the emergency services when they noticed the smoke and smell. They told the Glasgow Times, I was out walking my dog just after 9 this morning when I noticed a large volume of smoke coming from behind the William Hill on the Main Street. I couldn't see exactly where the fire was coming from. The witness then called the fire brigade, which arrived soon after. They added, Towards the end of the incident, the main street was blanketed in smoke, and there was, and still is, a horrible acrid smell. I'm not sure what specifically was on fire. There were a few builders standing around the back, so either something they were doing caught fire or they were burning waste from the building. 
The Scottish Fire and Rescue Service confirmed that they had been called to the area after rubbish caught fire. They have since left the scene. A spokesperson said, We were alerted at 9.27am on Tuesday, February 21st, to reports of rubbish on fire behind a commercial premises on Main Street, Campus Lang. Operations Control mobilised three appliances to the area where crews extinguished the fire and made the area safe before leaving the scene at 9.53am. There were no casualties. And that report was by Rebecca Newlands. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 21st of February 2023. From the news section, exclusive. Glasgow artists to take on London Marathon in honour of Gran. This article is an exclusive by Marissa McWhorter. A popular Glasgow artist is set to run their first ever marathon in order of their grandmother. Chelsea Frew is known around the city for their eye-catching murals and colourful paintings. Both as a member of the mural collective Cobalt and independently, Chelsea's illustrations make up some of Glasgow's favourite public artworks, like the Shuggy Beam mural at the Barras and the massive Lid Lockhead-inspired mural in the city centre. Now, Chelsea will take on the fantastic fundraising challenge of running the London Marathon on April the 23rd to raise money for Alzheimer's Scotland after their grandmother was diagnosed with the disease two years ago. Chelsea said, I'm raising money for Alzheimer's Scotland because it's a charity close to me and has helped my family a lot. My gran has Alzheimer's and it's horrible, not just for the person with Alzheimer's but for the whole family going through the experience of it as well. Chelsea comments the work the charity does is a lifeline for families in the same situation as theirs and is excited about the undertaking the Marathon for Memory Challenge. Some of Glasgow's best known artists and small businesses have rallied behind Chelsea, helping to put together an impressive roster of raffle prizes to help with the fundraising efforts. Raffle prizes include original artwork, ceramics, event tickets, a VIP table at Bungo's Bingo, a voucher worth 75 pence for Curlach hair salon and more. Chelsea said, There are 17 prizes. Everyone has been incredibly generous. The prizes are from really well-known Scottish artists that have donated prints and original artworks. There are also haircuts from Curlach. There's a £40 voucher for the 78. SWG3 has donated a table to the Infants Bungo, Bungo's Bingo with Prosecco and event tickets for Rum Shack. People I've known around Glasgow have really got behind me to help me hopefully raise all the money that we need for the marathon. Some of Chelsea's work is up for grabs as well, including a cap and an original painting. Jonathan Mitchell, Head of Stakeholder Engagement at Alzheimer's Scotland said, We are delighted to have the support from Chelsea and are in awe of their incredible fundraising challenge in running the London Marathon. There are more than 90,000 people in Scotland currently living with a diagnosis of dementia, and Alzheimer's Scotland exists to make sure that nobody faces dementia alone. We are only able to do that thanks to dedicated fundraisers like Chelsea, and we are truly grateful for their support. To enter the raffle for £5, go to raffle.com That's R-A-F-F-A-L-L.com And that article was an exclusive by Melissa McCarthy. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 21st of February 2023, from the news section, Helen Flanagan's makeup artist wins top award at Glasgow event. An article by Rebecca Newlands. 
A Hamilton makeup artist lauded by Helen Flanagan has won a top award. Kirsty Martin was named Celeb Makeup Artist of the Year at the Scottish Makeup Awards, which was celebrated in a lavish ceremony at Glasgow's Hilton Hotel. She took to Instagram to share the news of her achievement, writing, On Code 9 still from last night, Celeb Mew of the Year at the Scottish Makeup Awards. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So blessed and grateful to be doing my dream job. Former Coronation Street star Helen, who has appeared with Kirsty at makeup masterclasses in Glasgow, congratulated her on the win. She wrote, So proud of you, my beautiful friend. Kirsty is regularly booked by clients, including Corey actress Katie McGlynn, TV presenter Jean Johansson, and Miss Great Britain winner Amy Misak. And that article was by Rebecca Newlands. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 21st of February 2023, from the news section, New management wanted for Green King Bar in Glasgow, near Hampden Park, by Marissa McWhorter. A Glasgow bar owned by drinks giant Green King is in need of a new operator. The Corona Bar and Kitchen, formerly the Butterfly in Pig South, is advertising an opportunity for new management to take over. The company is looking for someone to raise standards, utilise digital marketing and modernise the offer to help it stand out from the local competition. The Pollockshaw Road Watering Hole is described as popular with an older crowd during the day and younger people throughout the evening, especially with its proximity to the Shed Nightclub. The Corona is known for its open mic nights and live music and will also be turning into a Karen's Diner from February the 24th to 26th. Interested applicants will be required to pay an entry cost of £13,705, which include stock, glassware, crockery, cutlery, fuel and cleaning materials, legal, brokers and stock-taking fees, training fees, schedule of condition, working capital and deposit, which is £2,000. Fixtures and fitting will be rented with some weekly payments made. Annual rent is priced at £42,300 with a forecasted operator turnover of £728,745 and a forecasted operator profit, including machine profit, of £44,325. Sandra Donnelly, Business Development Manager, wrote, I am searching for an experienced operator who has excellent experience of food for this great bar in a prime location. The pub is close to Hampden Park and is known as the home of the Tartan Army so it's always packed on international match days. If the corona is of interest, then please contact the recruitment team for further information. For more information, check out www.greenkingpubs.co.uk And that report is by Marissa McWhorter. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 21st of February 2023, from the news section, Exclusive. Severely ill man in 10 year wait to get moved from mouldy Glasgow flat. Exclusive by Stuart Patterson. A man has been fighting for more than a decade to get moved to a new house because mould is affecting his health. Alex Gordon, 66, has letters from his GP, consultants and an architect professor stating his living conditions have contributed to his health conditions and are making them worse. 
Over many years, Mr. Gordon has been repeatedly refused housing and was told his flat is suitable for his needs and for him to live in. He was told in 2018 he had no housing needs. The flat, owned by Wheatley Homes Glasgow, is a three-bedroom, four-and-a-block lower flat home in the south of the city. Wheatley said it is now working to find a solution to his case. Mr Gordon has been in dispute with the Housing Association for more than a decade over the condition of the flat. Both he and his wife were diagnosed with breathing problems and Mr Gordon with a mould allergy in 2013. He has been in hospital dozens of times and has had five operations since 2013. A letter from consultant respiratory physician Professor Malcolm Shepherd in 2019 stated his condition was indicative of persistent and chronic exposure of his upper airways to mould. He said, it is highly likely then that his repeated upper airway surgery and disease is related to ongoing mould exposure. Professor Shepard added that the only real treatment is to reduce or eliminate exposure altogether. He added, in the case of Aspergillus, this would require rehousing and I would support the request for the rehousing from a clinical and immunological perspective. An architect, Professor Tim Sharp, inspected the flat and said Mr Gordon should not be living there. He said, During the survey there was evidence of high moisture readings and mould growth in the bathroom. He added that due to his health conditions, it would seem apparent that for this occupant, the building is not reasonably tenable or habitable. Mr Gordon said since 2011, he has been on strong antibiotics and medicine for mould allergies. He added, Nobody listened to me. He said, my mold allergy is a horrible illness and can never be cured. I will be suffering it till my last days. If I am rehoused to a better house, I will be suffering less and I would not need excessive medication and regular operations. Mr Gordon was taken by ambulance to hospital three times between September 2017 and May 2018 with breathing difficulties. The GP said in a letter that he had allergies to mold and that inflammation and infection was a major contributing factor and he needs ongoing treatment. He added, Living conditions obviously make a large part of this exposure. A handwritten letter from Dr David Leslie to GHA in March 2018 stated, I confirm that the above patient is suffering from a severe mould allergy, which I understand is due to the presence of mould and damp in his home. His mould allergy is having a serious effect on his health and, in my opinion, it is imperative that he is rehoused urgently. The GP also said, there is no prospect of improvement in his symptoms unless he is removed from the source of the mould. In 2019, Glasgow Housing Association said they carried out three surveys of the home and found there is no dampness or mould. But Mr Gordon said repairs have been attempted by the landlord at the cost of £10,500 but have not solved the problem. A spokesperson for Wheatley Homes Glasgow said, we take all reports of damp and mould very seriously and aim to fix any issues as soon as possible. As soon as we were made aware of the issues, we attended and carried out a full inspection, which showed some small areas of minimal damp and mould. Since then, we've tried to arrange dates for this work to be carried out, but, unfortunately, have been unable to gain access to the property. The tenant has been considered a top priority for a move with us since July last year for a top four flat in Manswood. Unfortunately, we have had a very low turnover of homes of this type in that area and we have been working with him to widen his areas of choice. 
Sean Clerken of the Scottish Tenants Association has been assisting Mr Gordon. He said, The abhorrent treatment of Mr Alex Gordon and his family over a period of years, having to live in terrible conditions of damp and mould that seriously worsened their health, is completely unacceptable. The family have to have to be rehoused immediately. And that report was an exclusive by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times of Tuesday the 21st of February 2023, from the opinion section, Mike Daly, Glasgow's services can't be held with sticky tape. Glasgow City Council, TCC, set its 2023-24 budget last week and it was a deeply soulless and melancholy affair. Fixing a £49.3 million spending gap for a new financial year with the economic tools of a ball of string and roll of sticky tape wasn't going to be easy or pretty. There is no magical solution, only a panoply of cuts. We now find ourselves in a most curious position. Council tax will go up by 5%, yet most of our local services will be salami sliced and reduced. Pay more, get less. To be fair, the private sector has deployed such tactics for years. Reduce the size of a chocolate bar while putting the price up. The phenomena of shrinkflation. It's a sad day when we treat our vital public services like this. Job losses are part of the solution. GCC's budget report said the proposals to meet the spending gap will require a significant reduction in staffing. Some of this will be delivered via non-filling of vacancies and attrition. However, voluntary severance will also be required. Local government is the biggest public sector employer in Scotland with 262,000 workers compared to 179,800 NHS workers and 27,600 staff working in the police and fire services. The lion's share of GCC's balancing exercise comes from 31.2 million of cuts to local services and the introduction of numerous increased charges. Nursery fees will go up above the statutory provision of 1,140 hours. Looking at GCC's budget papers, it's difficult to discern what this means for local people, as only headline figures are reported. Indeed, in the accompanying Equality Impact Assessment document, there is no illustration of what increases or cuts will mean for individuals affected. Much of the budget is death by a thousand cuts. For example, £105,000 is saved from educational psychologists by staff turnover and early retirement. We currently have a dearth of such psychologists supporting our schools in Glasgow, so while many of these smaller cuts may look innocuous, I'd argue they aren't. Reducing the opening hours for free community assets is another strategy. 
So the hours of the tramway in Pollock Shields will be reduced, as will the Mitchell Library. The opening hours of public swimming pools will be reduced. Museum services and community programmes are also reduced. Charges for outdoor public tennis courts during peak times will be introduced. All these initiatives seem short-sighted when we are trying to improve people's health and well-being as part of a national strategy. Almost £2.5 million will be generated from hiking up the cost of on-street parking across the city. Entering the Kibble Palace at the Botanic Gardens in the West End will now come with a charge. More than £2 million will be raised from brown bin permits. I find this proposal particularly weird. Most houses or tenements in Glasgow have hedges and gardens. If you're a homeowner, where are you supposed to put your grass and hedge cuttings? It's clearly an additional tax, but what if everyone doesn't get a permit? Will this just add to the ongoing untidiness and dirge of our city? How did we reach this decline in local services? Over the last 10 years, from 2013-14, local government's revenue settlement increased by 4.3 in real terms. This compares to an overall increase in the Scottish government's revenue budget of 8.3%. There were successive real-term cuts to local government funding in all of the Scottish government budgets between 2016 and 19. This trend was only reversed in 2021. It's also important to remember that council tax has effectively been frozen as a Scottish Government policy for most of the last 15 years, until last year. The voice of Scottish councils, COSLA, argues that any increase to local government funding has been heavily ring-fenced over the years. Funding for core services and local priorities hasn't increased. COSLA also contends that the costs and demand for local public services have gone up significantly over the past decade. We now have a worrying disconnect between Holyrood and local councils. Local services don't seem to be important to the Scottish Government and many MSPs. They appear to be an afterthought, while in reality they're vital for a good quality of life for all of our citizens. Holyrood priorities are out of kilter with the cost of living crisis. Putting 20 pence on a can of juice to fund an unworkable deposit return scheme is silly. A scheme that ignores the existence of blue bins. A £1.5 billion plus national care service that wouldn't give more community care services to anyone but would suck the bone marrow out of local democracy by creating multiple expensive quangos. It's time to get our priorities right. It's time to stop defunding local community services. This article was by Mike Daly. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 22nd of February 2023. From the Lifestyle section, 
Coronation Street star robbed by Glasgow man in terrifying armed raid by Henry Vaughan. Dynasty star Stephanie Beecham has said she no longer feels safe in her cottage and has struggled to learn her lines after being threatened by a two-foot metal bar in a terrifying armed raid. The 75-year-old actress, who starred alongside Dame Joan Collins in the hit 1980s series, was ordered to hand over her money and jewellery after confronting David Wilson from Glasgow after they broke into her home in West London. Wilson, 57, described as a habitual career burglar, was armed with a Jamie, a bar with a claw at the end, which he was raised in a striking motion before telling Ms Beecham, don't look at me. Prosecutor John Traversi told Southwark Crown Court, during the course of this incident, which was terrifying for Mrs Beecham, when in the circumstances of which she found herself, she had real fears for her life. Wilson, originally from Glasgow, was jailed for a total of 10 years and 5 months on Wednesday after pleading guilty to aggravated burglary of the raid on October 25 last year, as well as a separate burglary in Sheffield on May 5th, 2021. Judge Martin Griffith said, What you did had a traumatic effect on her. You violated the safe space of her home, causing her to be suspicious of non-existent threats and even the difficulty of learning her lines when she goes for an acting job. Ms Beecham, who returned to Coronation Street as Martha Fraser last year, more than 12 years after her last appearance in the ITV soap, described the raid as a total violation of my privacy. Reading from her victim statement, Mr Traversi said, She says what she considered her very safe, cosy cottage no longer feels safe. The prosecutor described an incident where Ms Beecham thought she heard a noise upstairs when she had come home and got her neighbour to stand at the door while she checked. Ms Beecham had a knife in her hand and didn't even realise this. She didn't know what she would have done, if anything, he said. She had to ask her partner to come and get cash out of a cash point and felt herself being more aware of people in the streets and making more of a conscious effort to avoid contact with others. She found it very hard to learn her lines. She's an actor. She found it hard to concentrate and without the support of those that work with her, she thought she may have difficulty fulfilling her contract. She was frightened to return home, which she had always considered as her safe place. She considered herself strong mentally, but it made her feel old and vulnerable. The court heard Ms Beecham has doubled her sleep medication, has nightmares and panic attacks, and no longer walks her dogs after dark. She has had mental holographic images of the defendant standing at the end of the bed with a weapon in his hand, Mr Traversi added. He said CCTV footage shows Wilson with his Jamie before climbing up and using the tool to open a Velux window to break into Ms Beecham's home. Stephanie Beecham was upstairs at her home in London, the Bayswater area, when she heard a noise downstairs, he said. She began to descend the stairs, calling out, Who's that? And she sees the defendant standing at the bottom of the staircase. He ran up towards her, holding up to her face what he saw as a metal bar with a claw at the end some two feet in length, and what she described as undoubtedly a jemmy, as used by burglars since time immemorial to gain access to properties and steal therein. When he came up the stairs, she had her phone in her hand. He told her to drop it and get upstairs. She did as she was ordered and went into the bathroom. He then said to her, give me your money, and she emptied her wallet. Not satisfied with that, he said, that's not your money. He went on to tell her, give me your jewellery. She took a silver bracelet from her wrist and gave it to him. The court heard Wilson then saw an oriental chest and said, 
There's your jewellery before using his jamie to pry it open and sift through the contents. He turned to Ms Beecham and held the bar up in line with his head in a striking motion and said, Don't look at me. She bravely enough replied she was not looking at him. He then said, I wish you weren't here, telling her again to stop looking at him and sending her into the bathroom. The court heard she locked herself in the bathroom and called the police once he had gone outside. Wilson also made off with, off with her iPhone, purse containing bank cards and driving licence and a pair of earrings. Ms Beecham made her film debut in 1971's The Nightcomers with Marlon Brando and also later starred in Dennis's spin-off of the Colby's as glamorous Sable Colby. Wilson also admitted to a separate burglar at an elderly woman's home in Sheffield while she was in hospital, in which she stole the 1985 Paraplegic Snooker World Championship medal, a stepladder and a mattress. He has 64 previous convictions, including 34 for burglary or attempted burglary, and two convictions for aggravated burglary. Claire Moore, defending, said her client had been addicted to crack cocaine and heroin since the age of 15 and had written a letter in which she said, What I did was so wrong and I understand the effect of my offending had. And that report was by Henry Vaughan. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 22nd of February 2023. From the Lifestyle section, Exclusive. Glasgow reacts to Morrison's supermarket fruit and veg shortages. Exclusive by Morgan Carmichael, Facebook reporter. Supermarkets across Glasgow have started to ration fruit and veg following a poor harvest in Spain and North Africa. Stores such as Asda, Morrison's and Aldi are enforcing the initiative following a shortage of tomatoes, cucumbers, lettuce and peppers. Asda and Aldi will be limiting purchases of the above items to three per person while Morrison's will only be allowing two units per person. With the shortages in rations set to last for several weeks, we took to the streets of Glasgow to find out the public's thoughts. Heidi McLean, 48, from Springburn said, I'm worried about it in the long term. It's concerning, especially for families in need, or if you've got a lot of children, or even people that have low immune systems that need to eat healthily. As well, if you have a lack of money, veg is a lot cheaper, than most things that can make a vegetable soup and things like that, so not having that is worrying. Alan Ferguson, 39, from Hindland, also finds the shortage quite concerning. He said, It's a bit of a pain looking for fresh fruit and veg. It's not just people you have to worry about in this, but also pets. My daughter has guinea pigs, and we had to go on a bit of a trek last night to get salad bags because all the shops were out. I'm a little bit worried, but but I'm sure it will pass eventually. However, Kirsty Rizzo worries the issue might become frustrating. The 33-year-old from Alexander Parade said, I'm not very concerned at this moment in time, but I guess if we can't get what we want week on week, then it will start to become frustrating more than anything else. Since Covid, I think we just have to learn different, live differently though, and I've gotten used to just making do with what we have. However, some Glaswegians do not think the shortages will have a big impact. John McCarthy, 78, from the Gallagate area said, I'm not worried about the shortages and restrictions. Things like cucumbers can't exactly be frozen and kept. Plus, when I went into Morrison's just there, I didn't see a shortage. Natalie Nianviania, 44, from Domarnock said, I'm not worried about the shortage in the supermarkets, as I usually get my produce elsewhere, like Lidl. I think there are still a lot of options in this, 
there's frozen fruit and veg, and there are other shops, so I'm not really concerned. Aside from the public, some East End businesses have been somewhat differently affected by the shortage. Cameron Beck, duty manager at the Pali, said, I was doing my shopping last night and they had no cucumbers or tomatoes. In the restaurant though, we haven't faced many shortages. We're seeing a much worse quality though, which might be coming from the shortage. The Fork and Knife Cafe also added that they've been okay, but that tomatoes have been a bit harder to get hold of recently. However, the cafe is still able to get a hold of them. A lot of cafes and restaurants, however, have not yet been hit by, yet by the shortage. Both Cool Counter and Coy's Cafe, for example, stated they were okay so far. And that report was by Morgan Carmichael. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 22nd of February, 2023, from the Lifestyle section, Glasgow restaurant Unalome shortlisted for Restaurant of the Year by Rebecca Newlands. A Glasgow restaurant has been shortlisted as Restaurant of the Year. Unalome, which is one of only two cities restaurants to have a Michelin star alongside Kielbruch, is a finalist in the category at the upcoming Scottish Excellent Awards. The Finiston Eatery is the first solo venture by award-winning chef Graeme Cheevers, opened in June 2021 before being officially presented with a star in July 2022. Michelin lauded the European and Japanese-influenced cuisine for its boldness and sophistication in cooking and said Unalome is worth a visit for the full tasting menu and the thoughtfully considered wine pairings. Other restaurants nominated in the category are Alza in Edinburgh, Har Restaurant with Rooms in St Andrews, Eden Banny Lodge in the Isle of Skye and Station Road at the Lovett in Fort Augustus. The event will be held on Thursday, March 16 and is described as recognising and rewarding the highest standards in hospitality, food service and tourism across the country. Providing a mark of distinction and a unique marketing advantage for finalists and winners in each of the categories, the awards highlight the hard-working commitment of individuals and businesses of all sizes who are helping to raise standards throughout the sector. To find out more, go to www.scottishexcellenceawards.com And that report was by Rebecca Newlands. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 22nd of February 2023 From the comment section, George Redmond To the SNP, independence is worth all this suffering. By Labour Party councillor in the Colton Ward, George Redmond Last week, the SNP set their budget for Glasgow. Amidst the hand-wringing and the protests, they were not happy with the settlement given to the local government. There was no effort to fundamentally challenge the absurdity of the entire situation. How can SNP politicians in Glasgow go out and campaign for the very SNP politicians sitting in Holyrood when they're wreaking havoc on public services here? If SNP councillors in Glasgow believe that their colleagues at Holyrood are failing to listen to them, then how can they continue to support them? The truth is that the quality of public services here in Glasgow is subservient to their mission of independence. No matter how bad it gets, no matter what new charges have to be introduced or who suffers as a result of cuts, SNP politicians will never truly break ranks because the goal of independence is worth all this suffering. Glasgow deserves better than the SNP who kowtow to their bosses in Edinburgh. Our city needs real champions who will stand up for local services and local people. It needs politicians who are honest about the challenge the city faces, 
and honest about the steps needed to confront that challenge? Surely the first to get rid of the SNP government at Holyrood, which has shown itself to be indifferent? I was reflecting on the other significant event to take place in 2014, the best ever Commonwealth Games. It wasn't that long ago, not even a whole generation. And Glasgow did itself proud in staging those games. As with COP26, we became a focal point for people around the globe. Our typical Glaswegian hospitality was on full display and the people of this city welcomed the world with open arms. But the success of the Games was also down to the strategic direction and investment from the Council at the time. A Council that, instead of sitting by as services were slashed, sought to invest in new sports facilities and new homes. It is only a short period later and Glasgow is caught in the clutches of a managed decline. Once the fastest growing urban area in the UK, we are now relegated to struggling to keep the lights on in council buildings. What's changed in that time? A lack of leadership and ambition from the SNP, both in the city chambers and at Holyrood. And crucially, a lack of investment. This year means that Glasgow has been forced to find cuts over £400 million since 2023-24, entirely down to the decisions of the SNP at Holyrood. That's £400 million of services that are forever lost. Opportunities for our young people that will never be realised. Opportunities to prevent illness and disease that will be foregone. Some 400 million opportunities to make Glasgow a better, fairer, cleaner and greener place to work, live and work. Gone. This year, Glasgow Labour decided that enough is enough. The Scottish Government has attacked Glasgow for far too long. Now is the time for Glasgow's politicians to stand up and be counted. And that was an opinion piece by George Redmond, Labour Party councillor in the Colton Ward. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Tune Review and to tell your friends about our service.